I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Pocket Limp podcast. I'm Rick Henderson. I'm your host for our tech talk this week. It's somewhat a special this week as, after a two-year hiatus for obvious reasons, the European Mobile World Congress returned to Barcelona as an attended trade show and the Pocket Link team was there in force to check out the latest phones, laptop, tablets and other devices that launched. And so we will give our fullest attention to MWC in this episode, with Pocket Link's editor Chris Hall and Reviews editor Mike Lowe both returning from Spain to give us their lowdown on the show itself and the products they encountered. We'll find out their highlights, including some of the best devices and technologies that were announced, and maybe a few lowlights along the way. Let's start with MWC as a whole, though. Chris, having attended many of Mobile World Congress in the past, what did this one feel like in comparison? It was definitely a little bit quieter than it has been in the past. But there's also this great sense of normality. The halls were packed full of exhibitors. There were lots of attendees. There was hustle and bustle around the place. Everybody had to wear masks. It was uh, mandated that mask wearing throughout the venue. So that changed things a little bit. Um, And you're allowed to take masks off when you were eating and drinking. So you'd see people standing around with a glass of water so they could take their masks off and have (laughs) a proper chat. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I expected it to be strange, but on reflection, I don't think it was hugely different to the past. That that said, some of the announcements were, were differently structured. There weren't as many events around the uh, around Barcelona and not the some of the big press events that we've been to before. But still, I was sitting in in venues. I was sitting in press conferences. Um, and there were a lot, definitely lots of people around and a lot of business was going on. Uh, Mike, were there any notable absentees in terms of company attendance? Uh, I mean, there's probably a few little bits. The main casualty, if I can call it that, was uh, Lenovo pulling out quite a bit of time before the show. And, and there was kind of some thinking that that may result in a lot of other companies following suit. But actually, that didn't happen. Um, so it seemed there was quite a lot of confidence around it, which was you know kind of good to see because, um, funnily enough, the show did actually happen last year, but it was only attended by, you know, dozens of people, um, maybe hundreds at the most compared to several thousand this time around. So, you know, it, it definitely felt like it was some of the first steps into getting back to normal, um, despite the the mask wearing, which is understood and I get that, it's fine. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, there, most companies were there um, in their usual spots. And like Chris says, it felt kind of strangely normal. And I reckon numbers wise, although there's nothing official yet, kind of felt maybe 20, 25% less were on the ground compared to normal, but that's still a big number of people overall. So, um, I mean, certainly compared to CES, which I went to in January, which had probably only 20% of their normal attendees. Um, so that was super quiet. Um, and it shows how quickly things can can change in advance, really. 
from what I remember from my last Mobile World Congress, it's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? <laughs> no, a lot of people were saying that, actually, um, that they found it slightly refreshing because the trains weren't as packed. Um, there was still quite a lot of traffic on the road. There was still a long queue for taxis, but um, you didn't have to queue so long to get get to the food if you wanted the food. You didn't have to step around quite so many people when you're on the stands. And so that's always, you know, that, that boosts the experience somewhat. When it comes to devices, from my end, having been based in the UK during the show, um, it looked to me like um, there were fewer device launches than we would traditionally have seen. Now, is that because of the pandemic or is that because during the pandemic and over the last few years, we have actually shifted, companies have shifted to different kind of launch models? It's a whole range of reasons, but I think a big one is actually the the chip shortage um, has had a big knock-on effect. So you think about when companies would normally launch things, they're probably out by, you know, at least three months, sometimes six. Um, Just look back at like the Samsung Galaxy Fan Edition, the the FE, S21 FE. That came out really close before the S22 was announced um, and normally it would have been last year. So, you know, Samsung's whole launch process for, for MWC was all about laptops. So it's a very, very different look for them. Obviously, the stand had all of their, their kit and all their, their new stuff, but that's just kind of one example. And I think that's part, part of the reason is we're seeing, um, yeah, just delays ultimately. Um, that was actually one of my other questions, Chris. Um, laptops seem to, the show seemed to kick off more with laptops and tablets than it did with its traditional mobile phones. Yeah, that seems to be a um, a surprising shift that we've seen over the past few years is that the mobile side has declined slightly and people have used it for other devices. So they're finding different mobile devices to launch at the show. I mean, it still all makes sense because it is about mobile devices rather than smartphones per se. So, yeah, it's the rise in mobile computing has 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 definitely had an impact and there was a lot of of new laptop updates and innovations on display for us to look at. I think also with, with regards to that, as you say, it's called Mobile World Congress, but it doesn't specifically mean mobile phones. And actually, a lot of um, you know the the chip makers are really pushing their platforms into to all kinds of devices. So you know, Qualcomm in particular is very keen to promote its five G in, in laptops, um, and we're seeing some new things come out in in that regard from um lenovo which owns thinkpad um and elsewhere as well across some chromebooks and such like so it's, it's very much like a it's kind of like connected world congress in a way it's it's, it's a broader spectrum of, of items and devices that we'd normally have seen in the past as everything evolves really perhaps surprisingly a, a scant amount of uh smartwatches this year oh yeah i think on the wearable front things were very subdued uh we it seems like the the pace of change in smartwatches has slowed down quite a lot, um, but that's that's not the only category. I mean, we we call smartwatches wearables and we call headphones hearables, which is an expression <laughs> I don't really like. Um, and Qualcomm did have some stuff to say about hearables because they announced some new um, some new hardware for wireless earphones that will allow you to stream much higher quality audio. So they're still making some of those so those little announcements. But the thing about Qualcomm's announcements is they're always pushing the technology that supports it rather than the actual final products. 
someone needs to take that hardware, turn it into the consumer product that you and I will go out and buy. Uh, I also noticed there are very few car manufacturers this time. Last time I actually went to Mobile World Congress, I went with Ford. So, um, so is, is that a um, is that a shift away by car manufacturers away from this area, or is it just a logistics thing? Um, I think a lot of things have changed in recent years. I mean, it's, that said, even Ford is one example very recently has been talking about a split of their business from, you know, traditional uh, gas, petrol, whatever, through um, to electric being a, a separate part of their company. So um, not specifically sure as to why it would be, but uh, I don't think it was a major loss. I think a lot of car companies have kind of used shows in the past to show that they are the new tech companies um, at these big turning points where they're showing off, you know, new systems and different things but some of the other other companies like qualcomm which isn't an automotive company specifically but it's very much targeting that area um it's still showing technologies around cars so it's kind of it's bubbling away in the background but that definitely wasn't a focus this year um whether that will come back i guess we'll have to wait and see but i think in 12 months time we might be in quite a quite a different world um and hopefully for the positive but we shall see right let's turn to specific devices um chris what was your favourite device or devices at the show? Well, I'm going to actually continue with the car theme because one of the one of the demos that I had that was really interesting and I think worth talking about is, is from a company called Holoride. And they are offering a platform to enable VR entertainment in your car. And it it sounds it sounds crazy because <laughs> the thought of putting on a headset and sitting in the back of a moving car, to me, initially made me think that it was just going to be double nausea you know there are two things there that are going to make you feel ill um so i wanted to actually get in have the demo and holoride were there at the show doing these doing live demos and i was actually pleasantly surprised because they have designed this whole system to to give you a sense of motion through what you can see and that uses the the car's own um sensors to feed this information into the headset and create movement that matches the movement of the car so it's a really sort of subtle thing but when we were watching a film for example when i was watching a film the the film doesn't fill the whole headset display there's space around it and in the space around it you can see little floating orbs that are moving and as you're going forward those floating orbs reflect the motion so they go past you in the direction that you'd expect they slow down as the car slows down and then they stop moving when you stop moving you turn left or right and they reflect that movement so that means that your brain can actually see and match up that motion to what the rest of your body is sensing and you probably know that motion sickness is caused by your body feeling one thing and your brain telling you something else one saying i'm moving the other one saying you're not moving and that causes confusion which which can be one of the big causes of sickness. So they designed the system to try and get around that. It does sort of raise so many questions. Um, I, I, I don't know who's going to want to wear a headset in the back of a car. I don't know why you wouldn't just look out of the window, talk to the passengers, or just use your phone. Because you know, if you use your phone and hold it up so you can see some of the horizon around you, then you probably avoid those feelings of motion sickness anyway. But as an example of technology moving into a new space and proving that it can work when you've got different sets of motions going on, um, it was really interesting. 
Uh, I've, I've written it up, uh, Holoride on uh, Pocketlint. So it's well worth checking out. It's really interesting technology. Uh, fantastic. And Mike? I'm kind of tempted to answer this like a politician by almost not answering it at all. I'm thinking back of kind of past years, and we've touched on this already, but sort of five years ago, I'd be raving about the latest Samsung Galaxy because it would have been launched at the actual show, and that now doesn't happen. If you think through some of the big brands as well that, that were at the show, there were kind of some pretty big absences um, of devices that have been announced, but we still haven't seen in an international context. For example, Xiaomi, the Xiaomi 12, that's not been shown. Um, and there were some other things on the show floor from the likes of OnePlus that, although new in one context, in, in that it's new to, to this market, were announced months and months ago. So it's kind of one of those shows where some of the stuff didn't feel like brand, brand new or massively kind of looking forward. Um, of the lot, though, the, the more interesting thing that I saw was um, Realme um, announced its GT2 Pro, which is a phone, um, and the very first one to actually come with Qualcomm's new Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. And when they mentioned that, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Like, so many companies have already, you know, pledged their allegiance to, to using that chipset. But actually, it's right that not one in the UK and Europe yet has actually managed to, to deliver the product. Um, including with Samsung, because in the S22 series over here, um, they use their own Exynos. So, yeah, that, that kind of shows that the cogs are turning and, and things are going to come in the future uh, in, down the pipeline, ultimately. In fact, if you if you um, look on pocketlint.com, you will find the best of MWC 2022 awards, where we chose our top 10 products, um, of which the Realme GT2 Pro was one. Um, but what that also field dominated by was Chinese brands. Yeah. Now, yeah, and that that seemed to me to be the biggest thing of this MWC. The biggest takeaway for me is the um, rapid domination of Chinese brands in the mobile space. Is that true, Chris? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it is. I mean, it, it has been a massive, a massive shift over the past probably ten years. Uh, as we saw, seen the sort of the sort of slow decline of of all of those big brands who established themselves as feature phones, and that slow move over to smartphones. I mean, you, you think about we used to have Sony Ericsson and LG as massive players, and and Nokia um, in in feature phones, and and many others. But you know, LG has now basically pulled out of the business. Uh, Sony Ericsson parted way, and Sony Xperia came out in its place, and has never really regained any of the sort of size and scale that it was before um so yeah there, there has been a definite shift i mean we uh, in 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 many areas of the world it is apple and samsung who dominate the charts um huawei came along and made some big moves until the last couple of years where they've they've rapidly dropped away and it's left this small vacuum that is slowly being filled by all of these other brand, other brands and oppo is making huge gains vivo is making huge gains uh, Xiaomi is making huge gains and they seem to be very aggressive in updating their phones, pushing them out, using the latest hardware and trying to undercut the prices offered by some of the other brands out there. So, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely been a big shift. Um, I think a lot of this has been enabled by um, Android and Google's uh, 
all of the Google apps and services that go into that, which means that they can sort of generate a, a phone and put it out there. And even if they do a lot of their own tinkering, they can still have a core offering that is reflective and competitive with um, some of the other established brands on the market. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a big shift and it, it kind of feels like it's one that's it's going to continue over the next few years. It also fits the timeline quite well. So um, MWC occurs what a couple of weeks after Chinese New Year, which is when typically in China they'll have one or two weeks off. Um, so it, it's kind of like a good way to push out their fresh new kit to, to an international audience because typically speaking, and in the instance of this show, most of the devices that we saw had already been announced in 2021. So it's very much like, okay, we've had the success in China, have a break, refresh, bring it out to a new audience and show it off at this show, which makes perfectly good sense. Um, we also touched upon it in a little while ago, but the um, two of the other big brands that attended Mobile World Congress aren't device manufacturers per se, but also had really good shows, and that was Qualcomm and MediaTek. Um, their success and their, their new chipset sets and their new technologies that they exhibited, does that give us some real hope that um, t- late 2022 and uh, early 2023 will see an upswing in new technologies in mobile phones coming forward? Well, I I think from a Qualcomm point of view, this is part of an ongoing incremental improvement in in everything they offer. So they announced the uh, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, having renamed it from the previous uh, 800 numbering system. They announced that back in December and so as as Mike was saying a moment ago, this is now bearing fruition. We're starting to see these devices coming through. But one of the things that they wanted to announce at MWC was their new X70 modem, which is a 5G modem, and it's going to be using AI to try and boost the performance. So that means that it can monitor what's going on inside the modem, see how you're connected, see what's available, and optimize the whole experience to make it better. It's promising some some big performance gains uh, using the system. So that will be really interesting to see whether it comes along. We expect that it will be integrated into Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, which will probably be announced in December of 2022. So certainly next year, but it will probably also be available as a standalone modem in some other devices later in the year. Um, But outside of that, there are some other things that are really interesting. I mentioned the sound part before. Um, but uh, Qualcomm's also working on on some new branding. It's calling Snap, Snapdragon Connect, which is a way of badging devices so that you know that when you're using that, you have the best possible communications technologies that are available in that device. And it is, is quite an interesting move because it's shifting from being a company that supplies hardware and sits into the back in the background to coming to trying to get to the forefront of the marketing and say. This is going to guarantee you've got a big, you've got a great experience because it's powered by Snapdragon hardware, and that's a it's a really interesting move for that. So so much of the past, we've had these companies powering all of these devices, and now they're sort of coming to the fore and saying you should be buying this device because we're powering it. Also, from the the MediaTek side of things, um, if you think about MediaTek, I, I suppose in recent years it's not perhaps been identified by many as being you know a big player i mean actually it's massive and has been for a long time i mean pretty much every amazon product you have around your house will have a media tech processor inside it um but what the company's managed to leverage really really quickly 
is actually very, very high-end um, chipsets for mobile. So last year they announced um, Dimensity 9000, which kind of like for like in many regards is actually more powerful than Qualcomm's top-end offering. Um, the exception there is probably on the 5G modem side. Um, so for this show, they announced um, Dimensity 8000, which is kind of kind of the more direct competitor for Qualcomm's Snapdragon 870 and, and maybe 888, just above that. Um, and I think the push here is to say, hey, look, we're, we're also a competitor. This stuff's coming really soon. We're going to be putting it in devices or at least offering it to, to many phone makers. And I think we'll see it kind of appear um, in a kind of competitively priced space. And this is kind of going to become quite an interesting thing because it's it's like the two the two big ones fighting it out. So uh, I think that'll be something we'll see more of in 2022 is an understanding that there's actually more than one kind of maker that can can provide uh, you know, a really good product inside your devices. Let's move on to the elephant in the room, or at least the elephant that isn't in the room. And um, Apple waited until the show was almost over and then announced it too is going to hold an event, which will be next week um, on 8th of March, uh, where it's expected to unveil at least one mobile phone, the iPhone SE 2022 edition. Um, Apple has never really attended Mobile World Congress, at least not in my memory. Um, Do you think that matters, Chris? And do you think it genuinely tries to disrupt things? I remember sitting in Mobile World Congress probably about 10 years ago, when an Apple event invitation dropped and the whole press room kind of sort of stopped what it was doing. And it was very obviously timed to jump into the middle of Mobile World Congress show coverage. And that was in the probably the early days of Android getting off the ground. And it was it was pretty obvious to me that that was the plan to, to try and divert from things. I don't think Apple deliberately avoids it, but Apple doesn't tend to go to trade shows and show things off. I mean, it has a very slick operation for launching its own products and supporting its own products. Um, And one of the things about trade shows is they give a platform to companies that don't have the kind of scope and scale that Apple does. I mean, if you want to know about an Apple product, you can walk into an Apple store in pretty much every major city, whereas you can't always find a Vivo store or an Oppo store. You know, they're just they're just not there. So, yeah, I do think it's a deliberate tactic of of putting those announcements out timing wise, because if you're sitting and you only have a limited amount of space that you can publish headlines about technology companies and Apple says we're holding an event next week, you're going to write Apple holding their event next week. And that will mean one of their competitors slowly gets edged out of the side. Um, in the age of the Internet, it probably doesn't matter so much because it's just another story across the uh, the canvas of your of your website that you're writing about. Um, but certainly it, it helps add to the excitement. And in some ways, we've now fallen into, the, into this routine of having Mobile World Congress and then an Apple launch event. And the two kind of go together. You know, they're just, they're they're bedfellows now. We, we kind of know that that's the process and that's the timing. It's happened so many times before, uh, just as. Later in the year, during IFA, you sometimes get the invite for the iPhone launch that will come a couple of weeks later. So, so yeah, exciting times and plenty to look forward to. Um, in specific um, to the iPhone SE, Mike, um, yeah. do you think there's still a market for that kind of cheaper iPhone? 
I guess they wouldn't be launching one if there wasn't ultimately. Um, yeah, I mean, there has to be. If you look at phones outside of just Apple as well, there's been this kind of, not backtracking as such, but companies are now looking very much to offer smaller devices, not just ones that get incrementally larger. So there's often, you know, ranges within Android, as an example, where you get small, medium, large in effect. Um, and Apple's doing the same, really. There's, you know, the Macs, there's the, the smaller ones, less powerful ones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it must, it must make sense. Um, and I guess we'll see. Although I'm quite curious about the invite because obviously it's a the play on words, peak performance, as in peaking, seeing something. Um, is that very much just going to be about phones? Or, or are we talking about a, a kind of software reveal? Or is this something that's going to be a total curveball and be actually about m2 max instead or or what what do we think i'm i'm kind of curious because i've been so busy writing up lots of uh non-apple things in the day that i got back from mwc that yeah i i think it's going to be m2 mac i right. think that'll be part of the announcement whether the iphone i mean we've we've speculated on the iphone se updates before and they haven't always arrived exactly when you expect them so i'm kind of on the fence about that but m2 mac i think already has quite a lot of weight of rumor behind it and it seems to make sense you know we've just had intel refreshes we know that qualcomm is is pushing newer hardware as well so apple silicon still has you know plenty of good work to be done so i wouldn't be surprised if it's an m2 macbook air or something like that perhaps perhaps multiple devices yeah maybe it's maybe it's a curveball because i mean coming back to the original question rick you know the the se is well, the last SE that launched, it's you know, it, it looks pretty dated, right? It's kind of a, a refresh of a much older device, and Apple's got stuff that's way ahead of that at the moment. So, do, do its customers want something a bit more exciting? And maybe this will be that. Um, it, it it might be a total rework of it. It might be that we're not going to see one at all. But I guess we'll find out in a week's time or a few days' time. I um, I. My initial thought, seeing the invite and seeing the video version of it, which you can see on Twitter, is that the throbbing Apple logo seemed also slightly audio-centric. Um, it looked like the visual visualization that people always put onto headphones. So I'm, as a complete curveball, I wonder if we're going to see an AirPods Max update at the same time. Um, maybe one that better supports high-res audio. That that does that does kind of make sense as well because Apple confused a lot of people by launching higher quality tiers in Apple Music and then saying you can't access this without or you can't access that without this. So although it's generally praised for producing these extra tiers of higher quality music, some people then found it difficult to access that and said, but I can't listen to this music on my devices or I need this or I need that. So maybe... Apple is going to do something on the hardware front that will boost its uh, support for higher quality music in its devices, you know, and as you say, across a wireless transmission. And to come back to the the tagline, it's peak performance, as in, you know, peaking a glimpse of something. It could be that we're going to be treated to a lot of glimpses of things that aren't going to actually launch like imminently. It could very much be a, there's a lot of things down the pipeline that are coming. So it could be a busy one. We, we'll see what happens. Um, not one to uh, not one to stick with convention. Let's end on a low light. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, is there anything that disappointed about this year's Mobile World Congress, Chris? Well, that's a bit of a curveball for me. <laughs> um, in terms of devices and things, I 
I kind of enjoyed the stuff that I saw. It was nice to see a lot of the fans. I wasn't actually disappointed with any of the launches. The thing that I think had the biggest impact was wearing those FFP2 face masks for such a long period of time, especially on the last day of the show where I got up, wore it through through the hotel, into the conference, all the way around the conference, to the airport, onto the plane, and then all the way back home again, which was about 14 hours in a face mask. Um, and yeah, the fatigue that comes with that and the, the discomfort that comes with it, I really do feel for people working in hospitals who have to wear these face masks all the time, all day, every day. Um, I, I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah, my brain feels like the size of a walnut after that experience. And just for context of listeners who might not understand, um, in Spain, they, you have to wear a face mask yeah, outside um so it's at all times and the the show which is run by gsma had the stipulation that it had to be an ffp2 type which is um you know not not as kind of breathable on on the outside edges like a standard surgical mask so you, you have much more restriction in, in how you can breathe through those um obviously you can breathe but you very much notice the difference when not used to wearing one so um can completely understand the reasoning behind it um but it definitely took a certain different kind of toll um, just in attention, really, or the, the ability to have attention uh, consistently for that period of time, it's kind of tricky. But it was good to get back to a, an actual event. Definitely. Finally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I say, I did CES in January as well, and they had um, a similar yet less kind of uh, thorough approach. It, it was very much you have to wear a mask, but it can be whichever mask you choose um, yourself. So uh, you know, I just had a surgical face mask the whole time, which is a bit more breathable. But even that was great because it, there were not that many people there at that one. But hey, it just felt good to be actually meeting people, seeing stuff and being able to be back on the road and, and doing what it is we do. Because seeing a product over Zoom is not seeing a product. So when you actually go and, and you know, MWC, you can physically touch things, see things. It's not a render. You, you might go, oh, I don't think I like the look of that phone because the renders are just not very convincing. And then you pick it up and go, oh, actually, it looks really nice. Or maybe you like it even less than you thought. Um, it's just kind of interesting to actually be able to properly touch stuff again and, you know, get a real genuine understanding of, of what that means um, in a practical sense. So, yeah, good times. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on your listening platform of choice. For now, I've been Rick Henderson, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Toodle pip. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.